at that point, I knew that that probably wasn't a good sign. So, well, I will Surgery Fridays. I think this is the tenth time you've told me that story, and all of the details have stayed exactly the same. So, <laughs> <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> a podcast about bourbon and the ones who drink it. This is Bourbon Matters. Welcome to Bourbon Matters. I'm Jake. I'm Dan. And I'm Gold Eagle Jake. Uh, tonight we are going to talk about the competition in Kentucky, uh, where things are heating up, obviously, with the, the bourbon boom um, and lots of, uh, I'd say, like brand new distilleries have been popping up over the past like 10 or 15 years. Um, and we, we figured it'd be a cool topic to talk about those. And then also how they have to compete in Kentucky against historic brands like Jim Beam, Buffalo Trace, Heaven Hill, uh, and like the Brown Foreman portfolio and others. Anyway, um, the big dog said Heaven Hill, Heaven Hill. first. Mm-hmm. I like didn't I say it like first. Was, I know. I you said it third, not <laughs> oh, first. It's like roses. your sly way of not trying to. Uh, say well, you it. could just say the big six, but yeah, he had to say yeah. Buffalo Trace and Heaven Hill. But it's yeah. all right. Hey, I I don't talk Buffalo Trace up that much. Dan does. No, you don't. <laughs> um, but before we get started, I feel like I owe the fans this. I'm going to oh, do yeah, a quick review. Ride. Of the malted rye that I ordered nice. in the middle of the last episode. <laughs> um, Literally, so in this the is the, of the Basil episode. Hayden. <laughs> yeah. This is the Basil Hayden malted rye. And it's 80 oh, the proof. Nose right? is really it's good. got some, it's yeah, got some it's nice proof. color. It looks yeah. like it has some nice color. Yeah, it's a little bit darker than like the tip the normal Basil Hayden bourbon, um, which is like almost white. <laughs> white is the label nose is pretty well, nice it is very more than half water it's true very rye um very rye profile on the nose and this is a big review because it's coming from a malted rye fan a big malted rye fan it's not heaven hill that's his review it's not heaven hill um it's not bad it's uh, noticeably 80 proof. <laughs> As is um, all Basil Hayden. The finish is actually much better than everything else. Uh, like the rye notes come through on the finish pretty nicely. And you do get a little bit of sweetness along with like the um, more florally kind of end of the rye spectrum. So it's That's pretty good. That's what I thought about... I, uh, the smoke wagon malted rye. I got like a ton of floral mm-hmm. notes that I did not expect in a yeah. malted rye. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that one. That one's excellent. Um, yeah, this this uh, the Basil Hayden malted rye is not bad. Um, if you're uh, into low proof stuff, this is a good option. Um, or if maybe you just want to get into rye, this is a decent option. Yeah, I was going to say probably a good intro to rye being that it's only 80 proof and malted gives it some extra sweetness. Yeah, and the flavors are a little damped down, so um, 
it's not as like in your face as like a, a barrel proof rye or, or something like that would be. Right, How would you compare that, that to, uh, I mean, recently you're talking, really talking up the Jack Daniels. Uh, oh, the Jack is way better. But, yeah, way better. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. The, the, Jack, the, Jack, is, the Jack is really good. Yeah. I'll, I'll second Jack, that all day. That that bonded rye from Jack is Jack a bye, officially bye, bye. announced that they're releasing a single malt. Um, which, which was didn't they have of, that uh, the triple mash? It was part of the triple mash, <laughs> and it was also a special release. Uh, yeah, we double we kinda, double barrel single malt. I think. Yeah, we we kind of knew the single malt was coming because they yeah. in the triple mash is a blend of single malt rye whiskey and bourbon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was the first time that they released publicly any single malt distillation. So yep. it kind of hinted that they're going to have a single malt coming. And then they did do the double barrel single malt release as like a limited edition for last year. Um, so it's cool to see them have like an everyday single malt offering. Yeah, so that'll be cool to try out soon. All right, well, let's uh, jump into the real topic. <laughs> Kentucky. Yeah. Um, so like Dan, you have a list of some examples of the types of distilleries that we're talking about. Yeah, so I mean over the last decade there's been um a lot of bunch of newer distilleries coming up in Kentucky, uh right in the same area as Louisville, Lexington area that all the other big distilleries are. Um some of the, obviously one of the biggest ones is Bardstown, mm-hmm. um, who not only does their own stuff, but does a ton of contracting and just doubled their production. Uh, Castle and Key, which has been around for a while, or a few years. What would you say there? Yeah, my, said, my big, big yeah, fan. Your, your favorite distillery down there? My favorite distillery to go to if you're down there. I don't like to buy things from there, but I like to go to there. You like to go there and buy lunch? <laughs> yeah. I, I, we didn't even eat lunch. <laughs> I just got I just got hammered there. Um, <laughs> speaking of distilleries that Dan loves in Kentucky, that's newer. James Pepper Distilling is mm-hmm. new. Um, you'll have stuff like Rabbit Hole was is pretty new with some of their stuff only being out for five or six years. Um, other things like they've been getting all their stuff contracted or sourced, but Blue Runs building their distillery down uh, in the area. There's just a bunch of new distilleries coming up. Now, obviously, there's a lot of whiskey being sold, uh, and obviously, everyone when they think of bourbon or whiskey, they're usually thinking Kentucky. Um, and there's just more and more distilleries popping up, and that have popped up in the near or in the recent past here. Uh, I mean, there's a lot foothold. Yeah, I, that's just just, a, a just in just in like the last five years, ten years. Obviously, there's a lot of new distilleries in Kentucky. So I think we're going to mostly focus on how do we how do, how does a new distillery come about in Kentucky in the heart of the bourbon country, the bourbon world, and stand out and make a name for themselves. Like how do they compete against a Heaven Hill or a Buffalo Trace or a Maker's Mark? Yeah. Someone that's been established for many, many years. The first one, the first way that I, that you're seeing more and more of, of how places can stand out is getting away from the, what you normally think of when you go to a distillery, very old style, very old practices, very old things. When you see things like Bardstown, uh, when you see the blueprints for, or not the blueprints, the sketches for the new blue run, 
rabbit hole. Some of these places are going way more modern uh, yeah. style. Uh, fully, a lot of stuff is fully automated. Uh, facilities are more architectural pieces than they are functional. I mean, they're functional and architectural, but the old distilleries are pretty boxy with big old rick houses uh, where these are curved designs and more pleasing to the eye and looking more like the uh, buildings that would go up in the, the uh, uh, out in California versus what you would see in, in Louisville. Yeah, they're almost Washington. like Silicon Valley tech looking. Yeah. Type looks of, like more like an buildings. Apple or a meta location than it looks like they're making whiskey there. Yeah. So basically if you build it, they will come mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. type of distilleries. Like, well, just, just, I'm just saying, like, one example is, like, if yeah. you build a shiny, nice, you know, great-looking, cool-feature distillery, people are going to come check it out. So that's one way to get people to come and support your distillery in Kentucky um, is if you come out with a, kind of like a new, flashy way of doing things, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that because mm-hmm. a lot of these big distilleries that do have established brands – um, they are kind of stuck in their ways when it comes to tours and visiting. Um, you know, a lot of them still don't have bars or restaurants on site. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way to taste whiskey is to do the tour and then get your little quarter ounce sample of, you know, two or three whiskeys. Um, so I think like building a really cool place like Bardstown Bourbon Company or Blue Run um, is is a definitely a, a good way to slide yourself right into um, being an established Kentucky, or I should say, well-respected Kentucky brand. Yeah. And like the, I don't remember who said it when we were down there last year, but, uh, somebody called Bardstown, like the millennial paradise. Cause it's, <laughs> it's like super clean and like, uh, you know, like, um, like Dan said, kind of like high tech, uh, when you walk in the screens show all of the, like, monitoring system of like the entire like still system and the and the mash systems and like there's brunch on site and they've got a little bar where you get like hand stamped ice cubes with the bardstown logo it's, and yeah it's, <laughs> like, it's it's kind of like what you expect if you're going down a bourbon country for the first time yeah like you kind of like you kind of expect this whole glamorous experience um with all these bells and whistles. And mm-hmm. if you were to go down there five years ago, you'd kind of be in for a big shock. Yeah. Jake, I like, don't know who said that, but a thousand percent, it was Adam. It probably was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, like it, a lot of these newer places are leaning into that, um, making less of a distillery and more of like a campus. Um, including things like restaurants and like big tasting bars or tasting rooms, um, having other like attractions at the site, you know, like Castle and Key does a good job of um, kind of maintaining the grounds of the old uh, Taylor distillery and really like making it a destination because of one, the history and two, it's just like gorgeous there. Um, and like even I, I'd say there's there's a few of the older distilleries that are starting to evolve a little bit too. Like I think Makers is in the middle of like a huge renovation and add-on. Um, yeah, I, I want to say there's uh, one or two other 
uh, big ones that are kind of focusing on that. I mean, too. so they all kind of are like Jim Beam. When I first went down four years ago, um, they had like a tiny little pop up barbecue restaurant, which was like a like a Dairy Queen, like go up to the window and order type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like the first and only place down in Kentucky that had somewhere where you could actually go and order food and they didn't even serve drinks. It was just like a little pop-up, like food truck almost type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way to get a drink was to do the tour, and then you get your three tokens. You get little three half ounce or quarter ounce samples. Like a lot of these places are still very stingy on how much they can serve you, um, which goes back to like the laws of uh, liquor in Kentucky, which are pretty old school still. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of bring that up to you know because when you there's a lot of people that are still going down there for the first time. And you, you kind of expect like a Bardstown bourbon company type of vibe at every place, like a big, nice restaurant with all these fancy cocktails and fancy pours, but that's really not what you get. So if you don't, if you're not an established distillery where people want to go to you, um, you know, just because they love your brand and they love your story, you need to do something else to stand out. Now, mm-hmm. Castle and Key is like a, a cool one-off unique example because they have the story, they have the history. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you go there kind of for that, but you also go there kind of because they're doing the new you know, new into bourbon thing where they're kind of revamping and making it a little more modern um, while also piecing in all those historic factors with the grounds and preservation. They're also in like a fantastic spot, like wedged right between Woodford and Willett. So, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I mean, it's, right, it's well, really easy Buffalo, to get to. Right around like, Buffalo Trace, too. Um, and kind of like yeah. if, <laughs> if you're going out to Lexington area at all or Frankfurt area, it's it's a must stop at Castle and Key. So they are in like a very good little spot um, for visitors. And we can't deny that it's probably the most gorgeous grounds. Mm-hmm. I would say I would say yeah. Castle and Key and Maker's Mark are probably my two favorite places to go visit. The the other thing too with some of these more modernized, it is their their whole brand is built around that, right? It's right. not just the way their distillery is built. It's you look at the bottles that uh Blue Run, Rabbit Hole, uh Bardstown puts out, they're completely unique compared to everything else. They have curves, they have uh they just have Bottles that stand out compared to everything else on the shelf. Yeah, they just look um, sharp. Been, yeah, like yeah, so, someone yeah. put some thought and money into their whole entire brand and marketing. Yeah. Um, other ways that I think of too, besides like the modern ones, where you just say we've talked about Castle and Key. Do you see a lot more of the bringing back old brands as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the other thing. Now it's not a lot of these places have been closed forever, but Castle and Key's one. Uh, James Pepper is one that it's their old classic names that have really old DSP numbers yep. uh, are really low DSP numbers. Uh, and it's bringing back something classic um, from a long time ago than the vintageness of it. And it's funny because like we think of the one way is modernizing. The other way is bringing back stuff that's really old. And when you go to those distilleries, stuff there is really old. Yes. <laughs> Which isn't shocking, but it's, it's building on that legacy or re- revitalizing that old legacy um, is another thing that you've seen quite a bit of lately. Um, and just the nostalgia aspect of it brings you. Yeah. I think uh, 
that's definitely a a big factor um and like a lot of those brands um like there seems to be two two different types of like these startups um particularly in Kentucky where they either go the craft route and kind of develop a reputation through like very small batch very like um tailored kind of uh releases the way like castle and key did um though castle and key is kind of a hybrid of these two models um but the other option is like build the biggest fucking distillery that you possibly can and just crank shit out (laughs) as, as much as possible and become like a massive contract distiller until your stuff is ready to, to put right. in the market so so that's a good point because yes if you're gonna do the massive crank out distillery i feel like you need to be doing some contract distilling to pay the bills mm-hmm. while you're going like wilderness trail for example they started doing a lot of contract bardstown bourbon company too although they have the cool restaurant and cool you know place for people to come visit um but yeah like there's there's so many factors like how do you how do you compete with uh all right, we're going to use Heaven Hill for an example again. Um, but like, how do you compete with Fighting Cock, a six-year bourbon on the shelf for nineteen ninety-nine? Uh, Evan Williams bottled and bond, you know, a, a bonded bourbon for twenty dollars. How do you compete with that? You need something that's going to get people excited about your distillery and brand, and it's probably not just going to be bourbon unless you hit a complete mm-hmm. home run and have one really amazing somehow like you know, pull the, the right number out of a hat type of bourbon, you're not going to get people to gravitate towards your brand unless you have something else that's drawing them in. Yeah. Or you can be like, um, again, castle and key and just nail a rye. <laughs> rye or gin too. Like they make really yeah, good yeah, gin before yeah. they even had whiskey ready people, which was a bold move because you don't see a lot of Kentucky distilleries leading their way with clear spirits. Um, yep. but they, they nailed their gin recipes to get, I mean, I had, I had plenty of bourbon people coming at me, like wanting castle and key bourbon and rye before it was even talked about only because they went there and had some gin. I hope you killed that fly. I got him. All He's right, been good. bothering me for like the last five minutes and he is gone. Jeez. <laughs> um, cause that was intense, but yeah, so like they, they, they built up their name through clear or they, they, you know, they created a following through clear spirits and they didn't even need to, cause they already had the story. They already had the grounds. Um, so I think yeah. that's just, you know, they had two out of the three things that, that I would think you'd be looking for if you were starting up a new Kentucky distillery, you know, you need a story, um, you need a cool place for people to go and you need good spirits. Those are probably the three categories that I'd say, to focus on um if you're starting up a kentucky brand and they had two right off the bat so yeah yeah other thing too is if you don't have that i mean when i think of rabbit hole and i think of pepper rabbit hole's new age right in the heart of louisville i think they're right next to kelvin cooperage too um or you have james pepper which is a small distillery but it's in an area where there's restaurants and bars and things where you have an experience where you can go there and spend a half a day and not just have to worry about being at the distillery. It's not like, um, like Woodford, for example, it's kind of out of the way. They have the little Mm -hmm. tasting room and things there. Um, but you're not going to spend 
five, six, seven hours right in that area of Woodford. There's just not as much to do where some of these places that are building like in the heart of the city or, well, I guess, yeah, Pepper's right in the middle of Lexington, um, where there's mm-hmm. other things that can keep your attention and keep you around and give you, give you a reason to go there besides just the distillery. Yeah. Because as much as I love doing distillery tours, if you're, if you're doing three of them a day, it's fun, but they're all the same or very similar. Right. Um, uh, if I, if I went, when I go back down there, I would like to hit some more distilleries up, but I don't think I would cram in as much as I did last time. I'd like to find places where I could stay a little bit longer. Yeah. Don't yeah, cram there's, in there's tours. Probably... Cram in places yeah. that have a bar or something you can go kind of sit at and enjoy, or like a different experience, like Bardstown Bourbon Company. <laughs> Sorry to keep dragging you over no, there, but I, I think it's a great place to go. But they, they offer <laughs> like, you know, a barrel thieving experience. Um, yeah. where you can That's go and actually, we were yeah, there. you can actually go thieve out of a barrel. Now the average distillery, like 95% of them don't offer that. Even if you sign up for the tasting and tour, um, heaven Hill yeah. too. heaven Hill offers like a whiskey connoisseur experience where they dive deeper into like some of their more limited allocated whiskeys. Um, they also yeah, offer like a fill your own bottle type of thing. <laughs> So there's, 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 we're starting to see cooler whiskey experiences, um, as opposed mm-hmm. to like, here's bourbon, it's 51% corn, it's aged in an oak barrel. Um, so these places are starting to realize how many, uh, you know, tourists or people they have gathering to them every year. And now it's, it's a destination. There's people traveling all over the world to go to Kentucky. They need to ramp up their, their facilities and their sites, you know, and they're, they're kind of slowly trying, but I feel like they can't keep up right now. Um, but there's definitely some good progress being made. So that's, it's evident, it's evident that hospitality is a big thing, um, to get people not only into your brand, but keep them, you know, as a fan of your brand for life. Yeah. And that was one of the cool things about pepper was that we got, white dog straight out of the uh what's the thing called dan right out of the doubler the, the doubler and then that, uh, no, no no they they were no, no they the, weren't uh, running it was the spirit safe we yeah, got it out of right, the, spirit, the safe. spirit safe there yep i was gonna call it the cage um <laughs> <laughs> but then uh we also thieved on that tour uh which was pretty cool um so we got to try the the raw spirit and the the age spirit uh which is pretty cool and i think that was the normal tour wasn't it yeah yes which like like... i was just gonna say thieving like maybe to us or maybe to the average you know the listener that we have that does a lot of these things just sounds like oh whatever you got to thieve out of a barrel but there's a lot of people that that's a dream for them like the average consumer of bourbon is like to be able to take a thieve and take directly out of the barrel and taste it. Like that's on a lot of people's bucket list. So that's a, mm-hmm. that's a cool thing for distilleries to offer. Um, something that I, I don't, I don't really think any of the big guys, um, you know, the original six, I should say are offering that yet. Even though they probably have enough stock to offer it, but they definitely do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it's just, Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I do like the places down there that are offering different levels of tours. Because I know Bardstown has like three different levels. Mm -hmm. Because there's their standard tour, there's the thieving tour, there's the tour where you get to fill your own bottle and you drink in the bar in that Rick house or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and it's it's nice. And if you are going down and doing a bunch of tours down there, I recommend. We we just had a company take care of everything for us. They did a good job of mixing it up. But don't book just the cheap tour on every single one, because otherwise it will be the exact same. Uh, play around a little bit, find something. Yeah, find some it, to Jake's or, point, it, like once you do a couple tours, like they are all pretty much the same. Um, mm-hmm. Like going to. Like the only ones I'd recommend tours on are like really historic places or um, places where you can get like an elevated tour where you get to try things that you normally would not be able to try. Yeah, I would would recommend like, you know, if you're hitting one area and there's five distilleries around that area, sign up for a tour at one of them and then just go Mm -hmm. and hit the gift shops, check out the grounds, walk around um because there's a there's there's a lot compacted into one area now you know in in several different parts of kentucky um but yeah doing doing tours at every place can get very repetitive yeah but yeah i guess that's another way that some of these i mean some of the smaller places in kentucky that we haven't talked about or don't know too much about um you know it'd be interesting to see what their tours are so I'll, um, I'll they... yeah, no, I was just going to bring up one example. I went to Nulu, um, which is in downtown Louisville, and oddly enough, most of their stuff is MGP. So they're not even really distilling; um, they're just sourcing for everything, and it's not even Kentucky stuff. It's out of state, and they're kind of specializing on like different finishes. So when you go to Nulu, um, you know, I I remember on our way there, our rep was like, yeah, I got you on the tour. And I'm just thinking to myself like, Oh God, like not another tour. Like that's the last thing I want to do with my time down here in Kentucky. (laughs) I go down four or five times a year. So at this point, like a tour is just, you know, banging my head against a wall, but um, their tour was actually something a little different. So they, they talked about uh, like prohibition and how whiskey kind of came about and survived through prohibition. Um, so that was, I thought just something super unique, super different, like never, you know, had a tour that, uh, kind of focused on that side of things. Um, mostly it's just like, you know, how we, how we put it through the still and all of our basic whiskey terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, a couple of the regular patrons at the master classes told me that they actually took the cocktail class at Nulu and said it was absolutely Mm. amazing. Um, so like that's, that kind of stuff is really cool to look out for too. Um, and usually you will not find that at Jim beam or Buffalo tracer. Jim (laughs) beam does offer a cocktail class. Oh, really? I I haven't done it, but I know it's like a, it's kind of like a quick thing in their gift shop. They have a little like makeshift bar. It looks pretty cool, but, um, but you know, there's like four years ago, none of these places offered anything like that. Um, so it's, it's pretty evident that it's becoming a tourist. I, I don't know. Tourist spots, not really the right word maybe, but it's becoming a destination, a place where, yeah. You know, bourbon enthusiasts want to go to check out their distilleries, and then people who have know nothing about bourbon want to go because they're hearing about all this buzz. Maybe they want to get into bourbon. Um, so basically, it's come a long way. And to sum all that up, yes, you need to do something different if you're a newer distillery in Kentucky. Um, you know, having maybe ten, I think ten years ago, having Kentucky bourbon on a label was all you needed to sell a product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
people just wanting Kentucky bourbon. Now there's so much out there. You need to do something different to to draw people in. And I did uh, the name of that one distillery that we were kind of talking about before we started recording was Whiskey Thieves um, as like a really oh. small place that I've never been to, but I've heard a lot of people recommend you got to go to Whiskey Thieves. You got to go to Whiskey Thieves. Um Pretty much just because their hospitality, they focus on giving you um, a very one-on-one kind of intimate, um, you know, experience. Like whatever you want to taste, you can taste. You want to drill through that barrel? Sure, go ahead. Um, it's kind of like a smaller distillery you haven't heard of, um, and you'll get the experience that you wish you would have gotten at a Maker's Mark or at a Jim Beam. Um, so it's kind of a, it's a cool little off-the-path place. Um, which again, I haven't been to yet, but really it's on my list of places I need to go to for like underground up and coming distilleries. Mm -hmm. Well, you just outed it. So now everybody's going to go. I did. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now it's going to be on the secondary market tomorrow after this episode. (laughs) I still haven't tasted any of their whiskey, but from what I've heard, it's a great experience going there. And, you know, that's kind of what this episode is about, you know, what you need to do to stand out among the the big brands that everybody knows. And I think if you're, mm-hmm. if you're showing the best hospitality, um, you know, and you're someone that goes to that distillery for the rest of your life, you're going to remember that and look out for whiskey thieves bourbon. Yeah. And like, you know, the, the name of the game is trying to get people to stay as long as possible. Cause usually people buy more shit if they're there longer. Right. Mm-hmm. So like a lot of these distilleries, I think are leaning towards that, like campus style model where they have a restaurant, they have a bar, they have a tour, they have, you know, like multiple activities in, in like within the distillery grounds so that you can actually spend like three or four hours there without just like, running out of things to do because like buffalo trace is huge but like you go on the tour you go through the gift shop it's like all right let's get the hell out of here you know <laughs> like there's nothing else to, to be, do like, to be yeah, fair though that gift shop is massive it is but <laughs> but it, it also it came a long way like they didn't have that gift shop four years ago they had nothing no nothing yeah. Yeah, it, it's not you can, like you can go get a Buffalo Trace Old Fashioned at Buffalo Trace. No. <laughs> no, but you can buy boots that have uh, Pappy Van Winkle barrels in the heel. And they cost five For times like 400, more than $400, yeah. The same boots without Pappy Van Winkle in the heel. Yeah, yeah, but they, these have Pappy Van Winkle barrels in them. All right, <laughs> so, like, so we talked about you need to have you know a really cool destination place to draw people in um but we we haven't really talked too much about creating a really good bourbon to draw people in right are there any are there any places we can think of that have you know they're lacking the visitor center they're lacking the restaurant but they just have a good new product that is drawing people in so, I mean, I don't, I don't I mean, know. That's what kind of the reason why Bardstown has to have all that stuff because they're they suck otherwise. That's um, not true. <laughs> it's not true, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. There, the Fusion series isn't Pappy Van Winkle, but <laughs> I think I think they do a pretty good job of blending bourbon, and they've done a pretty good job of kind of shifting the average consumer's connotation on blended bourbon. Yeah. I mean, they I mean, started putting they, out 
they contract so much stuff that's excellent. So that's just, yeah, you're wrong, Dan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I haven't been there yet. I really want to go, but New Riff has excellent stuff. Um, I don't know yeah, what their great example. campus actually looks like, though. They're, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm pretty sure they have a restaurant, but I know it's nothing. It's not like a hard truth where it's like a destination, right. you know, adult Disney World type of place to go to. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that would be a, a pretty good example because they they didn't do you know the clear spirits. They just stuck strictly to whiskey, um, and they waited until their stuff was four years old, and it turns out their four year old stuff was pretty good. Um, yeah. so that's, I think that's a great example of a newer distillery that has built a brand off of just the whiskey alone. And obviously the bottles look cool too. I think that has a little something to do with it. Um, <laughs> the matte black bottles, that's a, that's a nice touch, but, um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I would say that's a pretty good, pretty good example right there. Um, I mean, blue run is a semi example because they're not actually distilling anything. Um, but their contract distilling at Castle and Key uh and Bardstown and pro- probably somewhere else I would imagine. Um but I I believe their bourbon comes from Castle and Key and their rise come from Bardstown. I, I I'm fairly certain that that's correct. Um, yeah, see, I'm I'm talking more like, more like a new riff, someone that right. really started up from the <clears> ground, and yeah, I mean, I I don't know of anybody else besides maybe like some smaller craft kind of places that um would fit that description of like started from nothing, are much more whiskey centric than you know experience centric i guess Mm -hmm. so i guess my point jake's thinking of one yeah jake i know i am i am thinking like i have a couple things in mind like i guess i don't know if if we're talking about like blenders in here too like i would throw barrel craft in there i mean they're kind of like a home run story out of nowhere like they were nothing and just hit it you know right off the gate but i mean i guess my point is more so like you need something more than a good whiskey to bring people in. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much, there's so much out there now. There's so much, there's so many Kentucky distilleries, um, you know, to, to get people excited about your brand, you need, you need something a bit more than a good bourbon and good marketing. Like you need, you need something to draw people to you. Right. Cause like if you have a really good whiskey, you can just go to the store and get it um, to get people to actually show up <laughs> like to your facility. Well, you need something a little bit, a little bit sh- more showing up is, is, you know, a big part of it because you're not just going to go buy a new four year Kentucky bourbon just because it's Kentucky. Now you need, yeah, right. you need a story behind the distillery. Um, you need, you know, some kind of influence that, you know, is telling you, oh, I went to this place. They had the best, you know, old fashioned. They had the the coolest bar set up, the best restaurant. Um, you know, amazing hospitality, great tour, something that kind of stands yourself out from the next guy. 
So like if I yeah. was starting a Kentucky distillery from scratch, my biggest focus is going to be what's the one thing that we're going to, you know, people are going to walk away from here and be like, wow, I've never experienced this at any other distillery. And so like Cocktail this brand, bar. yeah, whatever it can be, this brand is going to be with me for the rest of my life. I'm never going to forget about this experience because um, it's just something different. That's, I mean, that was one of the things about Pepper that we were like blown away by was they had one of the best old fashions I've ever had in my life. Well, they, they should. I mean, that's the whole story is James Pepper is kind of the, one of the, what brought the old fashioned to New York and, and see, that's a great story. And that's a new distillery mm -hmm. that kind of just ran with a piece of history and props on them on focusing on what they need to focus on. Well, I mean, they, they found the original, uh, still designs from the early 1900s and had Vendome rebuild that still from scratch. Mm -hmm. So it was, I mean, they, they got a lot of history there. And that, they that do, was one of the yeah. cool things with their, his, their tour was going through all the history because it's all the big names from the bourbon. It's, uh, yeah, it's God. literally the catalog of who's who in early bourbon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all mm -hmm. just like, it's kind of like Forrest Gump, uh, but bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> Or Pepper just then, meets every famous bourbon yeah. uh, tycoon throughout his life. Gets, gets a loan from Taylor. Goes defunct on his loan from Taylor. Taylor <laughs> gives it to what becomes Woodford. Yes, <laughs> it's yeah. It's just yeah, interesting. But no, it's. I mean, we've we've talked about it. We're still in the bourbon boom. Um, so you're still seeing a lot of these things pop up. But yeah, it's it's hard, especially in Kentucky to stand out because there is so much in in Kentucky and the problem with the big six is they've been able to set the narrative for decades and decades and decades. And um, they have the inventory to yeah. put stuff out at a ridiculous price where if you're a startup distillery, there's no way you can compete with. No. But I, there, I'm sure there's still going to be more and I'm sure that we've left uh, some things out that some people are probably pulling their hair out that we didn't discuss. Oh, I feel but, like we covered know, a good ground, but I, I do know when we stop this recording, I'm going to think of something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it always happens. You know what? And what I say to those people that are screaming at us right now, start your own podcast. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but, we appreciate no, you. No. Yeah, you're one, of a, you're one of the few people that listen to us talk every yeah. week while we drink whiskey <laughs> so we appreciate you don't start your own just keep listening i know jake is going to want to talk about peerless Ooh, that's a good one to bring up that's actually they're, a really uh, good one to bring up they're not incredibly old uh they're started in the 2000s at some point right i think late 2000s i think they've only been around for no i i think i'm a little like 2012 or 13 but they're uh they're definitely one of the newer people yeah and a great example because all right here we go because they have they have a really <laughs> good whiskey <laughs> they have a they have a good product they have a yep. a really good a really cool facility it's not where it needs to be um in terms of they don't have a restaurant um it's in louisville but it's not on like a really pop and like you wouldn't just stumble across it. You need to kind of look it up and 
be able to get there. Um, and they, they just put in like a little tasting bar where they do like little flights, um, after tours and whatnot. Um, so, but they're, they're, I think a great example of a distillery that kind of built their name off of their whiskey as a newer distillery. Like, you know, they, a year or two ago, didn't have anywhere to go taste whiskey at their facility. Um, and so I think, I think. Thank you for bringing that up. That's a perfect example of a distillery that has a good name on their whiskey. Now, some people will argue that their stuff is very expensive and overpriced for a young new <laughs> distillery. Go ahead, throw it out there. I'm not I'm not a peerless fanboy. I'm not going to shoot you down immediately. Um I think their whiskey is very good. Yes, it is pretty expensive. Um but yeah, what do you think, Dan? I, 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 I've talked about it before. I think it's fine. I just think it's, I think it's a 40 or $50 whiskey that sells for $90. I, I think their single barrels are where it's at. Yeah. So it's a I mean, $20 bottle that should sell for 50. They, <laughs> they found a niche and their niche is single barrels and the ones that they pick for the gift shop, especially, um, they're very different from one another and they taste a lot older than four to six years. Still, it's a little pricey. I get it. It's very, it's very pricey for a four to six year whiskey. Um, but the quality's there and that's a distillery. That's a distillery. I would keep a very close eye on over the next decade. Um, cause they very well could turn into like the next Willet, where people are just freaking out over these seven, eight, nine year single barrels. Once they come to age. Yeah, are, do they age on site or do they truck out? Uh, they do. To they somewhere? have no. They have uh, they have like one rickhouse right on site at the distillery, and they have a couple more just a few miles away. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, they'll they'll probably start. Um, my my guess would be that they're probably going to start working towards some kind of like more reasonably priced product in the future as they keep ramping up, you know, their, their output. I would hope, but... I mean, I would hope, you know, they'd come out with some kind of just 90 proof regular offering, but their thing is too, they're kind of like a barrel where they're just like, everything is batches and cash strength. Um, yeah. But we recently found out barrels coming out with a 90 or a hundred proof offering. So I guess the possibilities are endless. Yep. They they filled their first barrel in 2015. Peerless? Oh, yeah. I, I okay. thought it was a little more recent. But, I mean, that's – I think that's a prime example of a new distillery that made success by having a good quality product. Dan might not agree yeah. with it, but they're not – I didn't say their product is bad. I said it's good, but it's overpriced. It, yeah, but they're still they're, – they're selling out of all these releases they do at the distillery. Um, they're – marketing and branding is on point and they're coming they're they have good whiskey it's not bad whiskey people are obviously willing to right. pay a premium to get their whiskey so they're doing something right and it's not it's not a destination it's not a, a cool restaurant or facility to come check out um you know people are going there because their whiskey is good well well said. if you thank you yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think if you uh, recommend, we all recommend going down to Kentucky if you're a whiskey fan and haven't gone down. Um, it's not 
go to Lexington or Louisville, uh, you're going to find a ton of distillers in the area. Um, hopefully, if you are going down there, this will help guide you to some of the ones that you should be going to based off of different experiences. Um, and continue to try out new whiskeys coming out of Kentucky. They're pretty good. Don't just stick with the original six or the big six down there. Uh, try some new things. Um, you can sample a lot of these things in the bar at Gold Eagle. I know for a fact because I've sampled some there. Jim, thanks for the plug, Dan. I know. I was kind of leading you into that, and then I saw you were chewing food, so I thought I'd just ramble on a little bit longer a just so you could get a, get a, get a finish on that. Uh, we got, how's, how's the finish of that uh, cracker? We got two episodes. Not one of the Trader Joe's ones? Jeez. No, they uh, they had a recall. <laughs> That's why you oh, haven't geez. seen them. <laughs> <laughs> the famous Trader Joe's crackers had a recall. So, so don't been... eat the crackers at Gold Eagle Tastings. Don't worry. I checked, uh... all, I checked all the dates. <laughs> And uh, apparently, all the dates that we bought were outside of the recall. Um, but right. still, we haven't we haven't had them in about a month because Trader Joe's has been out of them. So hopefully, those come back soon because those those rounds are amazing. Um, but yeah, rushed home from the store uh, to hop on this podcast, so I didn't really get to eat dinner. Grabbed a couple crackers, grabbed a couple bottles of bourbon. Um, we're here. Sounds like dinner to me. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> it's good with me too. Um, but yeah, goldeaglewine.com. Uh, check us out on Facebook at Gold Eagle Wine, uh, or sorry, Gold Eagle Spirits. Check us out on Instagram at Gold Eagle Wine and uh, stay up to date with all new releases and uh, events, products, whatnot. Uh, Come check out the bar, like Dan said. Jake, where can people find us or listen to us? Uh, you can find us at bourbon matters on instagram and facebook uh you can listen to us on youtube spotify or any other podcast platform we have video on youtube and spotify as well awesome all right well that's kind of our thoughts on breaking out in kentucky for whiskey cheers i guess cheers, cheers.